Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Did you have any time up until the time that you had the injury that knocked you out? Did you have any time in that trajectory? Was it just like working, competing, working, competing? Or were there times in there that was the valleys? Because Mm. as the cycle of growth and development, unfortunately, has disasters and criticism and things that just go haywire. It's almost like if you book a flight and you have a good flight. I just talked to the doctor this morning. He said he just made a trip over the weekend, you know, holiday weekend with the family to and from New York. No problems. He said he was just so happy. He said that never happens. We're on time. No problems. And I said, and he knows and I know that, yeah, but. But. <laughs> keep flying and you're going to be stuck. There's going to be one of those where you're stuck on the plane for two or three hours because. Lose your luggage. Things yeah. happen in life. They just do. And so as you're competing and everything, what are the worst type things that happen other than injuries? And I can imagine it might have something to do with judges and politics and things like that. Talk about where some of those things you had to get through that are like sure. really challenged you. Like, I'm not going to put up with this crap. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so I think one of the ones that was very, very challenging at the beginning, as you can imagine, we're just starting to develop this relationship and how we skate together. And then a few right after our first competition, he ended up tearing his meniscus. And so we only had a few months under our belt and then he was out. And so I had, it was actually quite in my, for me, a blessing in disguise. It gave me a lot of time to skate and improve my own technical skating skills because I still had to skate every day by myself instead of with a partner. So he sat on the sideline watching. Wow. And I skated, continued to skate. And so that was a pretty big, right from the beginning, but I think really bonded us quite closely together knowing that we've already faced a big injury very, very early in our partnership and we're able to get through that. I think for him, it was likely much more frustrating having to sit on the sidelines. But I think ultimately, Nick was a very tremendously talented athlete and, and still is. And I, as I said, I really have to work for the things that I had. And so it actually gave me a lot of time to really just become a better skater, ultimately. Yeah. And that made us a stronger pair. But I think the other things that were really challenging throughout the course of our career. So Denmark is a very, in the world of skating, a very small country. And we didn't have a judge. And what that means is that you don't have someone advocating for your team on the panel, uh, which has a very strong influence on your placement, ultimately. And so even though there were many times when we technically and from a performance perspective skated much better than other teams, we would place lower because we didn't have that judge to represent us in how the pieces work together. So there is a lot of political pieces that come with that, which was very, very frustrating for us as athletes because it doesn't come down to how you perform. It comes down to how you were judged, but that is part of the sport and you cannot focus on the things that you don't control. And so if you're trying to blame it on judges or blame it on which country you represent, that's not going to help you get to where you want to go. Ultimately, you have to continue to focus on you and the effort that you're putting in to become the best that you can. Now, are these things yeah. that you wind up, it's one thing we all know that, you know, it's like the Boy Scout pledge, blah, 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 beast. Mm-hmm let it go, whatever. But when you're going through, you're living through it, you have to kind of talk through it and 
reasons you have to get it uh, in your head and when you're living it and you're face to face and you're yeah. by things out of your control i mean how did you come to that it's a mature look at it and so did you how did you come to that, that with the coach is that something you come off you deal with it you get in there and huddle up and talk yourself through it to where okay Mm-hmm. You got that talked out and we're back on it yet harder than ever. How do you have to work through that and who played a role in that? What made the difference? I think the part that comes up for me the most, we were in Germany at a competition and we overheard another country's judge talking to another to their team saying, hey, did you like what I did with the Danish team? So we uh, overheard them being like, and uh, that for me was like, a, this isn't just a concept we think is happening. This is something that really happens. And that was a very challenging moment because it solidified what you were thinking. It wasn't just like, oh, we think we're good and we're being placed lower. So that was a pretty challenging moment. And we brought that to our coach and um, he essentially said something around the lines of like, and how can we influence that? How can we change that? And we were like, well, we can't. That's what they're doing. And like, they're doing it anyways. And he said, well, then you just have to be that much better. You have to work that much harder. And so if, if these are the cards you're dealt and this is what you're playing against, how do you get around that? You have to be so undeniably good that they can't. And so that was kind of- about your coach. Let me ask you about your coach. Had your coach competed? How did your coach know to tell you that? Because I'm telling you people right now, if you've got a life coach or you got a mentor and you go through a thing like that, okay, and you don't get that answer, <laughs> you don't get that coaching. Get rid of your coach. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I just, you know, there was an article in the paper about Bill Parcells, which I'm sure you don't know much about, but he was the head coach of the uh, Giants, New York Giants football. Ah, yeah. yeah. And he won two Super Bowls. But before he won the first one, the year before, they went and lost a playoff game in Chicago. Mm. And they're riding back on the plane. And I've got this story in my book. They're riding back on the plane and across from him, he had his, on his staff, he had his high school football coach. And Oh, wow. You know, and this is a guy who was always, it's like his sidekick, you know, to kind of keep him balanced. And yeah. uh, they're driving, you know, they're flying back. And uh, finally, Bill looks over at his coach. And he said, they're really good. <laughs> and, oh, he said, they're really good. And, you know, the coach told him, he said, yep, and you still got to find a way to beat him. <laughs> exactly. How do you be undeniably greater? And see, if you don't get yep. that answer from whoever's coaching you, get rid of them. You know, totally. because they <laughs> don't know, cause it's that <laughs> when you're facing that kind of challenge, you're, and we all are, to get mm-hmm. over the hump, you got to have someone who's not going to make you softer and give you more excuses. We can think of all the excuses ourselves about how it wasn't right and this, that, and the other. But, and Parcells figured it out and he won two Super Bowls. And so the thing is that he had it in him and you guys had it in you. So what happened after that? I mean, you had that. They said, you just got to be that much better. Yeah, we went back to work. We made our programs harder. We trained harder. And we were more committed than ever, to be very honest. It lit a fire in me. And I'm someone who... If you give me a goal and you tell me I will do everything in my power, sometimes that can also be a weakness, but to go and achieve that. And I was like, you know what? You're right. We really need to make sure that we're putting everything that we can into this. 
And instead of playing the victim and saying, oh, why does this happen to us? Why do we escape for this country? Maybe we should change. It was like, no, okay, fine. Let's go prove to them that we we are better and we can do this every single time. Yeah. And so what happened in your company? How did the competitions go and how did it play out? Yep. So we reached junior world championships and world championships that year. We ended up placing relative, not not relatively high, but still being the first team in the history of the country of Denmark to ever make it to world championships. So that was a pretty phenomenal feat for us and for the country. There had never been anyone who represent Denmark um, at that level of sport in ice dance. Yeah. And when you're in that kind of company, how often are you competing? You're competing about every couple of months at that point. You have a couple Grand Prix circuits before world championships. You, have, you sometimes do some smaller ones just to get more reps under your belt. So yeah, you're competing every every couple of months and the season lasts from usually September to March. Yeah. Now you came out of that. I'm just curious, would if for people don't know, because we talked about that before we got started, but you're very close to uh, having your first or your next child. Is it? Second. Is- Second. <laughs> Second. And so uh, you're well on the road. How far are you? I am 40 weeks plus four days. <laughs> so I'm past my due date at this point. <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations. And uh, is your first one a daughter or a, a boy? Yeah, she is. I have a daughter, Charlotte, who's three. Are you going to try? Oh, uh-oh. She's at that magic age where you start. Are you going to keep her <laughs> off the ice or are you going to encourage her to, to give it a uh, try? Yeah, she's, uh, we actually put her on skates last year. She's a very, very athletic little girl. She's in gymnastics and she started walking around 10 months old. Yeah. And is just this little force of nature. Yeah. Um, And so we decided to put her in gymnastics pretty early because she was climbing on everything. And I was like, she's going to fall off and she needs to learn how to use her little body. And so she's amazing at gymnastics and quite a good little swimmer. So we'll see where she goes, but. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) <laughs> as you uh you went through your career and you reached talk about the transition to having mm. the injury and having to face the world <laughs> the world yeah <laughs> that was a a very challenging time so i'll take you back a little bit before that so and it's funny that you're in colorado so i had this very very severe hip injury while we were training in france actually france and italy because during the season we would live in in europe because our we competed on the that international circuit so it was just easier for us than coming all the way back to the us and so i ended up having a, a pretty severe hip injury and had my first surgery in september of 2011 and so they essentially had two tears in my labor i'm a tear in my hip flexor they had to shave down my femur they shaved my hip socket so that everything worked well together and so i had that surgery and essentially was back on the ice Seven weeks later, I um, had it done in Vail, Vail, Colorado, by an incredible surgeon who only really takes elite athletes. And so the next morning after surgery, I was on the bike rehabbing. It was quite a program that I was fortunate enough to have had my operation done by him. And so seven weeks later, we started skating again, and I'm skating better than I had in probably that whole year. Just an incredible amount of strength really like at this point where I was just so excited to compete again. And so we had originally written off that season just because of, we thought that I wouldn't be able to skate at all that year, but instead we're like, wow, she's doing great. Let's go for it. But what we didn't know is that the, they had actually made a small incision in my IT band, which they made like a little X to give my hip more space to move, but that wasn't communicated with the physio and the rehab people. So there was a, they made a mistake. Ah. 
And so when I started pushing and started going back to skating in, I would say late December, I started having immense pain again. So much so that I couldn't, I could barely walk for more than 10 minutes without being in agony. And so that was actually what ended up ending my career. So that was December. And then in January, I couldn't face the pain anymore and they couldn't see anything on the MRIs or x-rays and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And that same year, my mom had passed away in January. And so there was just multiple pieces happening in my life. That year of 2011 was a very, very challenging one. But ultimately that was the end. You're like 21 right now at 21? I was, yeah, I was 20 at that point. My birthday is in November. So I was, I turned, turned 21 that, the end of that year. Wow. You just had a whirlwind. Yeah. Like from 13 to where (laughs) Coach said, you got to have something you're great at if you want to be great. And then 20 and eight years later, you're out. And so, but during that period of time, you traveled, you had exposure, you had experiences very few people have. Oh, totally. How do you think it made you better? The fact the international competition and travel and having to deal with those kind of uh, logistics and meeting new people. Mm adapting to new cultures and places. Yeah, I think it's built me into who I am today. Everything I have, actually, I would say I owe to my skating career. My level of determination, the will that I have, my ability to adapt to whatever the circumstances are, as tragic as a passing of a mother figure and, or as, as you said, just being thrown into different cultures and having to deal with adversity. So I think that that level of exposure to different cultures, different challenge, and ultimately to understanding myself very, very deeply has allowed me to have the success now that I have post-transition, which a lot of athletes struggle with. Well, and the the life lessons comes in solving problems and dealing with the stuff you got to do to be able to compete. And Mm -hmm. so the traveling, we all know traveling is, can be a nightmare. And uh, (laughs) do you remember, you know, what was the worst experience you had with your travel and and planes and hotels and bookings and yeah and and schedules. The worst was they lost my skates one year, one competition. Oh no! Um, yeah, and so essentially, you don't have skates, you can't skate, and yeah. it's not like you can really use someone else's because they are very much so like molded and custom to you. And I had people, which was just very very sweet, offering to let me use their skates to compete. But fortunately, they found it. I think it arrived at the rink two hours before we were scheduled to go on. And so I think going back to your previous question, which was like, what have you taken through all of that is mindset. And how do you really develop a mindset that can get you through almost anything? And I think with that, like we had to, I had to continue to prepare for that competition. Like I had my skates in hand. And so you continue to prep for, you do your office training, you go to the rink, you do your visualization, you do all the things that you've prepared to do, even if you don't actually have your skates. And so you try to, you essentially the way that I think about it is like, we're competing until they call our names and I can't physically step on the ice. And that's how you have to kind of go, go and through that And where did that you get that mindset from? Was that, do you just kind of come up with that yourself or your coach say, here's what we're going to do or what? No, I actually worked with a mental performance coach. Her name is Stephanie Hanlon. She thinks you actually had her on this podcast. Stephanie, uh, you tell him, Daniel. Okay. Tell, <laughs> tell Joe. Go get Stephanie Hanlon. <laughs> and How do you spell that? I think you've actually interviewed her before. Oh, I, think I saw that. Okay, yeah. Go. Yeah. I thought, she, I thought um, she sounded familiar. 
Yeah. So she was brought into my life when my mom passed because she passed 60 days before world championships. And so I was fortunate enough to have her become my mental performance coach and teach me really how do you unlock the power of your mind in huge adversity or even the smallest of adversities, which is not having your skates. And so that really came from her principles and what we call uh, neutral thinking and making sure that you're staying in what is true and what you can and the language that you're using with yourself in those hard times. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whiteallonwinning.com. Thanks for listening.